Hey, welcome back to Across the Pond, a Premier League podcast hosted by Americans. Tonight, we've got a special guest, actually a debut today. Uh, but before we get to that, you've got Chris here in D.C., Jess here in D.C., and Shay down in Atlanta. We're going to do a lot of these episodes just getting to know members of ATP so you can get to know us a little better. Um, and so this is going to be one of many more coming, but but just want to introduce uh, Jess Charman. Uh, please say hello, and I, if possible... Can you give your own elevator rundown speech? I'm, I'm curious to know how you would introduce yourself because we have all, all right, the facts. I'm... We got all the facts. Oh, all the facts. Okay. So Jess Charman, originally from Hertfordshire, Hillingdon, England. For everyone that doesn't know geographics and thinks, you know, England is just London, pretty much London. Been into football my whole life. It's kind of thrown upon you when you're from England, had an older brother. So that's how I got into the beautiful game. And Played college soccer, which is how I've ended up in Atlanta, Georgia, and haven't really ever left. That's actually amazing. I know, I know when you ended up in Georgia, that's how we actually got in touch with you through Shay. So we've got Shay here to kind of tell the origin story a little later. Uh, but but you talked about how you get into football, and and I think one of the most important things that that I value on ATP is is getting to know all of you better. And, and I think it all sort of stems from how did you get into the game, and you talk about it was kind of unavoidable for you. And, and I really resonated with, with you saying that. I mean, I've been trying to kind of get away from football my whole life and it's just not possible. You just, you oh. just can't like, it's, it's never leaving. I got to watch it all the time. I can't not watch games. I can't not play. So curious to hear about, about your origin story with the game in a little more detail. Yeah, 100%. So when you have a football family in England, there's kind of two families when it comes to sports in England. You're either football or rugby. Those are the the two predominant sports that you're going to get thrown into. We were definitely a, a football family growing up. So I have an older brother, three years older than me, and he started playing youth football early. And I would go along, watch the practices and didn't really enjoy just watching, wanted to get involved. So uh, fortunately, really cool coaches would let little sister tag along and play. I'm not sure how much my brother really loved that, but, you know, he didn't really have an option. And from then on, it was kind of discovered that I was pretty good at it. There weren't any female teams at the time. So I started off playing on an all-boys team. Ended up putting my hand up when the coach asked, hey, does anyone want to be the goalkeeper? And no one really put their hand up. So I put no my hand up. No one ever does. No, but I, you know what? <laughs> If I hadn't put my hand up, I don't know if I'd still be playing because it's one of those things where I was guaranteed the full playing time. There was no competition. And as a girl, you have to wonder potentially. The coaches were cool and I'd like to think they didn't treat me any differently, but you never know. And so for me, I think putting my hand up and playing in goal meant that I got the opportunity because there was no one really to replace me. And then my parents being very competitive and not wanting me to embarrass them. I've been, let's be honest, if your kid's the goalkeeper, I feel like that must be the hardest oh, yeah. position ever because the parents talk the most trash on the goalkeeper. So they invested very highly in goalkeeper practicing and different things like that. I had privates and different group goalkeeper sessions and in the end ended up 
being really quite good at it. I, my mum didn't like watching me very much because it's pretty scary watching your, your daughter throw herself at people's feet. And that actually ended up me being named uh, Mad Cat was my nickname uh, during youth, youth soccer days. On the Amazing. <laughs> Mad Cat. Mad Cat. It was based on, there was a Reading assistant manager called Mad Dog. And I guess because I was a girl, they thought I deserved to be Mad Cat. You know, so no sexism in soccer at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I'm, that's, thank you for telling us how you got into being a goalie. Because I'm always kind of curious. I feel like there's two routes for people who become goalies. <laughs> One, they get thrown a goal. Or two, the person actually invests in it and they're good from like the beginning. And then they become literally the most viable player on the field because it's uh, like you can't replace a goalie, a good goalie. The biggest mistake I ever made was not spending more time on the field because I think I'm really in that niche between when goalkeepers were like goalkeepers with their hands. That was all that mattered. Mm. And that transition into the goalkeeper being the the last line of defense and being a playmaker on the pitch so my distribution mm. was something that i initially struggled with because i was so focused on the shot stopping and stuff so i actually quite like i've done some youth coaching these days and i kind of like how in america now they don't often specialize the goalkeeper early on or they least allow them to split game time and that's something that i'm all for because you have to be good on the pitch now you have to be yeah. able to have as good a footwork as a field player alongside your handling. So I think there's stats that's like 80% of all touches that a goalkeeper makes is with their feet. So so you're um, saying you would have fit in in Pep Guardiola style, essentially? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I don't know about that. I, I, I got good with my feet when I came over here. Actually, my college coach told me it was the weakest part of my game and sent me off to play in some random indoor leagues, which is actually how I met my husband. So shout out to my coach. <laughs> For, for that, but it's one of those things where I had to work on my feet because I was timid on the ball to an extent. I was more someone that just wanted to get rid of it. I could shot stop all day, but when it came to having too long on the ball and too long to think about it, God, sometimes it makes you want to crap your pants a little bit when you have the ball <laughs> at your feet for too long as a goalkeeper. Speaking about keepers playing with their feet, quick question here. I mean, which... Which sweeper keeper right now do you think is, is sort of the best in the world? I mean, it, sweeper keeper isn't probably the correct term anymore, given it, it's so prominent in leagues. But, but I mean, when you think about all the players that, that can play with their feet, I mean, who to you really stands out as being the top elite, elite player? See, for players that I've spent a lot of time watching, I look at Emmy Martinez, who obviously I'm still bitter bitter about the fact he didn't get that Arsenal number one jersey. I'm happy for him to get the move. But when he was playing at Reading two seasons ago, he is so comfortable with the ball at his feet that it's remarkable to watch. And it's something, like I say, that I'm envious of because it's something that I can never comprehend having that composure on the ball. But a lot of it has to do with the coach's style as well because there's coaches, look at Kepa, right? I think that Kepa isn't as bad as his with his feet as at times it looked like, but it's because you've got a coach that's enforcing you so much that you have to play out the back constantly that you're no longer a free thinking spirit. And that's one of my concerns with coaching styles these days when it comes to having such a philosophy that it means the players can't play independently and can't use their mind and can't make the choice of, hey, I'm under pressure here. It makes absolutely zero sense to try and force the through ball or to play out the back I should just go long and they can't do that that's the most irritating thing to me and I, it makes goalkeepers look bad that's why that's why I mentioned Pope Guardiola because literally that's what um Claudio Bravo just did all the time he always messed up literally always messed up and now Kepa man 
poor guy on the bench trying to say what he would have done to save those shots. It was so sad when they turned to the bench and he's like, well, I would have done this. And it's like, mate, you had your chance. Like, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's one time too many now. That's his last moment. Am I archaic, Jess, in the sense that I value shot stopping ability more than anything else? Like to no. me, that's the mark of a good goalie. For me, that's all I want to see. Like, okay. okay, there's moments where you're just like, damn, when a goalkeeper, damn, fakes the ball and then plays it out to the other side or does a pullback on a forward. Okay, it's nutmeg. cool. I've seen a nutmeg but, recently. Who was that? Uh, Mendy. Mendy, I think, pulled one off. Chelsea's new keeper. Which is gutsy. After, <laughs> after who you've just replaced, you've got to have yeah, some I know. to try something <laughs> like that. But for me, yes, playing with your feet is impressive, but what takes you to the next level? It's those reaction stops, those tips over the crossbar, the ones that you never expect them to save. But for me, the biggest mark of a good goalkeeper is consistency. Um, I think all too often we see goalkeepers that can make worldy saves in the moment, but mm. they're not consistent enough. So it's about doing the expected saves right 99.9% of the time. Because at the end of the day, if you can't do that, what's the point of making the odd worldy save here or there? So I would say consistency with hands and communication is another one that's completely underwritten with a goalkeeper. A lot of time people talk about like defensive errors and you can actually look at goalkeepers a lot of time because if yeah. I have a right back that isn't looking over their shoulder, a lot of the time it's because me as a goalkeeper hasn't communicated that they've got a player on their side. You're meant to be the eyes yeah. uh, of your whole team. So I think those are... Communication and consistency are the two key things for a quality goalkeeper for me. I was laughing because Chris was taking notes like he wanted to yeah, become a goalkeeper. I mean, if you really want to know, I, as as Charmin is bringing up new things, I'm just jotting some things down. You know, I've got some interesting questions I want to veer off, but trying to figure out how hey, to extend his career. I have to. I mean, <laughs> I, I have to share this with you. I mean, I'm a center back, so you know, I I have always had close relationships with my keepers. I've had very combative relationships with my keepers. And that's kind of how I communicate on the field. You can ask Shay about that. I can't tell you how many times I've also, you know, had to slide tackle so somebody doesn't come at, at a, my keeper, you know, and, and things like that. So I, I don't know if other players on the field sort of have that relationship with the keeper typically, but but I, I, I got you. I, I feel like you always want a keeper who's willing to be back there and, and bark at you. Whether you disagree or agree, I'd rather just know what's going on. And it's one of the things that brings that stability to the team. When you have a new goalkeeper coming in, you want that transition to be smooth, that they're going to communicate with you still. And for me, it's a confidence thing. Me almost commentating the game keeps me alert because as a goalie, you might not touch the ball for like 80 minutes of the game. And then in the 87th minute, you have to make a one-on-one -on -one stop. So by communicating, I think a lot of the time it keeps the goalkeepers alert and involved in the game, even if they're not touching the ball. Also had to pass back like forty yards a couple times. Like here, get yourself a touch in, you know. Like oh, I hate that. That that <laughs> mate drives me insane. They turn around, they're like, "You want to touch on the ball? No, just keep the ball. I'm good. It's on the halfway line. Keep that shit away from me." Good to know. Good to know. Incredible insight here. <laughs> you wait. Our five aside team's gonna be popping now. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of yelling. I could already tell. So Jess, you're a Reading fan. Tell us um, how that came about. I mean, it, again, through birth, no real option in that. My dad went to a school in Reading and had been a season ticket holder forever. So I think I turned, I think my seventh birthday gift or seventh Christmas gift was like a half season ticket for Reading. They had one that Is you that a gift for anyway? <laughs> I think that was more, like I say, my dad having my brother and me at games 
there are a lot of secrets to be kept about Reading Football Club games with my dad. That was like <laughs> the time he got <laughs> privacy from my mom and with the kids. And he'd be like, don't tell your mom you heard that. Or there would be songs that I would be singing along to. And it would be like, don't tell, don't tell your mom I let you sing that song. <laughs> my favorite memory of my dad at a Reading game. He almost got kicked out of the match with just, I'm pretty sure it was just me there. I don't remember my brother being around because he said the words, linesman, where's your white stick? Like, um, like a blind, like making a blind reference, really, really quality dad behavior that, but I guess a steward down below reported him for saying linesman suck my. Oh, <laughs> wow. And so yeah. this man came up to our seats and I'm probably like eight or nine. And he looks at the back of my dad's seat number without telling him why. And, he, and my dad's like, why is, why are you doing this? And then we, we got basically walked out of the mm. stadium because my, my dad was accused of making foul comments in front of a child well <laughs> in the, front of his own child the lesson i'm, I'm getting here is is when you're going to yell something obscene make sure you articulate is that yeah, is that the know. rule okay okay cool cool because Good one of them would have been acceptable and one of them wasn't <laughs> but season ticket holder forever yeah we went to quite a few away games as a kid would follow through good and bad i think i've had three playoff final losses um that i've been present for cardiff <laughs> Uh, one in Cardiff when Wembley was being built and then two in Wembley. We, we've always been exciting, though. I'll tell you that. I think if you look at some of like, the most high-scoring games in the Premier League or in like cup history, we've got to be up there because there's been some 7-4s, some 6-something-elses. Like, we're, we're entertainment value in the three years we've had in the Premier League. But it, it's been a tough ride. And I will say, again, being a team like Reading, if you're not into football, it looks like you support Reading. Which, yeah. as a kid, again, was very difficult for me. I had a hat that said, I love Reading FC on it, that I would wear to school. And I would get teased at school because people, oh, you, you love Reading. And that's one of my traumatized by wearing that hat to school that my dad would put me in. How hard has it been to follow Reading since you got to the States? At first, pretty hard. It would only be if I went to like a, a brew house during the games where... They were on actually recently during COVID it's got easier because they're doing more for like away uh, fans so they can watch it. So there's I follow, which is like, a, I think all championship clubs have it. So I pay $179 for the season. I get to watch every game, which is, it's not bad at all, but it's hard because of the time difference too. I mean, 10 a.m. on a Saturday when you have other stuff going on. When I was in college, it was near impossible because we'd be traveling for games and stuff like that. So it was definitely the thing I missed most and as you guys know watching on your laptop screen is nothing like watching in person and, and oh, that yeah. was the hardest thing and fortunately now Atlanta has Atlanta United so I, I got my sort of feeling of being at a game in person but there's nothing like being at the stadium that you, you grew up in quite frankly and you fell in love with with soccer in and you had your favorite memories of games and you watch Petr Cech get knocked out by you know, yeah. Stephen Hunt, you've had moments in your life where you'll never forget. So it's been tough, frustrating at times because some people are ignorant as well about, you know, your other team or you have to go to pubs and compete to get your game on the TV. And that that's frustrating. But definitely with the I follow stuff and COVID, that's the one blessing I would find <laughs> with COVID that I've been able to watch my team more. But 
obviously not in person, which is a shame. I think Reading have had a, a decent profile here in the States, given the number of Americans they've had yes. playing for them. So people, at least who follow the game, you know, they know the name. They maybe yeah. even know how to I mean, pronounce it. Marcus Hanneman, who's like my favorite goalkeeper of all time. He's Amazing. Watching. You, you listed him first on your, your favorite players on the ATP uh, squad <laughs> profile. <laughs> <I'm> a little <laughs> biased. <laughs> you can, and then, I mean, Bobby Convey was brilliant. I think he played it with, with a little yeah. while. Yeah. Wow. Danny Williams. Danny Williams, who Matt Miazga last year. Oh, Matt Miazga was like, he doesn't deserve to be on the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> he is clueless when it comes to that. But Great. Danny Williams was a good player. Um, what about the Jamaicans? Yeah, quite a few. No Jamaican love? Oh, come on. We, we've had <laughs> Joby McEnough. I mean, when, when Jamaica Joe. played here, I got to watch Joby and Michael Hector. And I wrote like a, an article that got put in the news in Reading because it was like <laughs> cool that we had someone watching it. But. Also friend of the pod, uh, Nate Chalaba, spent spent some time there. Briefly, I think, very briefly. Yeah. But it, it's been cool. We have a pretty diverse team. We've managed to attract. Now we're that team that has players on loan all the time, which is like a good and a bad thing. It's exciting in the moment because you're attracting quality, but is it consistent? No, you don't want to be the team that everyone loans out their damn good players to and then they bring them back, which is kind of what we've turned into a little bit. We're also the club with the... I get tagged in a video of the Thai owner singing a song. I don't know if you've seen it. We are the Reading. Just search We Are the Reading on Twitter one day. We had a Thai owner that was a pop singer that that made oh, a amazing. song about oh. Reading. It, it's horrendous. That's fantastic. <laughs> we got to tweet that out with oh. this episode. Yeah, you Because I've, I've been tagged in that like a hundred thousand times. <laughs> in fact, I think I think we should just cut to a break and play that song. Play you out. We'll play you out, Jess. And when we come back. We're going to ask some more hard-hitting questions, hopefully some that you can't answer. Charming. <laughs> got it. Um, all right. Um, we are back. Uh, again, we've got some more questions coming your way, but uh, Jess Malone, I know you want to kind of tie the loose ends on the Reading stuff. Um, I know hopefully we can talk more about Reading on this show next season after their promotion. Did I just jinx them? Did I? Did yeah, I probably. Okay. Best well. bet start in our like in 30 years or something like that with three wins, but. We have the record, 106 points, when we got promoted to the Prem for the first time. So maybe. Who knows? All right. Keep our fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay. Well, I was there a year ago uh, at my first game, my first Reading home game. How the F do you pronounce the name of the stadium? So it's the Majeski Stadium after John Majeski, who was Majewski. like the owner for a while. But they call it the Madstad. Okay. Everyone, like anytime they oh, like the game, they call it the Mad Stad because I think it's because no one wants to butcher his name, but he doesn't actually own the club anymore. And okay. he was a money grabber, but alas, that's why, I mean, he put his name on the stadium. Let's be yeah. honest. It says a lot about an owner when they name the stadium after, after themselves. themselves. So, yeah. I mean, no more. He did a lot the club. Everyone loves him. But... No more excuses, America. Yeah. You have to pronounce it right now. Majeski. 
Yes, and thank Jay-Z. you. Jess, we, we've been doing this on, on our, our past episodes. We've been doing it with a lot of guests. You know, We're going to hit you with a bunch of rapid-fire questions. We'll give you eh, three seconds or so to answer. Just say whatever comes to mind. You know, we just want to know the real you. We, do, we, don't, want, we don't want the filtered you. This is across the pond. We don't, we don't filter very well here. So um, I'll start. I have to add a qualifier to this. Who is your favorite keeper right now outside of Emmy? Because I know Emmy's probably somewhere up high on your list, but but I need to know another keeper that, that you really admire out there. So, okay, again, biased, but Reading's goalkeeper, Raphael, is incredible. He spoke no English when he came here a season ago. He's done intense English, and now he does fluent interviews, which is so important. Why? Because he said communication is key. But this dude is going to get Reading promoted, mark my words. So watch videos of Raphael. He is fantastic. Right. I like Schmeichel as well. That's my homie. I've got one. Uh, have you ever left a match for a comfort break a la Eric Dyer? <laughs> it wouldn't be possible as a goalkeeper. I've had to like <laughs> suck it up. It's been bad before, like actual pain, but no, never before because as a goalie, what like what are you gonna do? I've had like having to sprint. Okay, I've been on the toilet when my coach has been really mad in college at halftime, but I I mean I've had to go, so that's pretty bad when you're in the locker room and the coach is like calling out your defensive line and he's like, where's Charmin? And they're like, she's in the toilet. So that, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty embarrassing. Jess, best goalkeeper in the Premier League over the last decade. I mean, there's only there's only one answer, but. I, I'm trying to get my concept of like 10 years. Did Petr Cech play in the last 10 years? Yeah, I'm trying he did. To, for, yeah, especially I'm for Arsenal. Petr Cech. Yeah. I love. For Arsenal, Petr Arsenal Petr Cech though. No, they had he used that Chelsea at least in 2011. I'm telling you, whatever Stephen Hunt did to him to put that scrum cap on, the scrum cap is the scrum cap of magic. The rugby, yeah. It's like it changed him, but what a goalie he is. And I I love Petacek and now coaching as well. I think I think he's an exciting one. And imagine Petacek being your goalie coach, what pressure that puts on you because someone actually knows. A lot about the game. So you love Petacek, but is he actually the best goalkeeper? Yeah, I, no, I truly, I truly believe wow, Petacek okay. is <laughs> the it, most all rounded, consistent goalkeeper, which is what we're looking for when we rate quality. And a lefty. Are you in my time? Are you in my time? I have no more questions. He did not get the answer he was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. That's not how it works. David De Gea. Oh my god. Oh, I, I think it's. I think it's not even. A, it's not even a question. But, but you got to go with consistency and how long yeah, can... you been late. Like oh. he's had some poor. But that's why I said over the last decade. Over the last few seasons, where I don't think that can count as a cons. Now <laughs> David De Gea maybe. He's like, had eight years of wonderful. Doesn't Great matter. Nice. If we're talking consistency, most mm. recently our views are tarnished of David De Gea, and I think he is overrated in current times. I thought you were going to say Simon Mignolet, but wow, surprising everybody today. Um, <laughs> uh, along the lines of uh, Petr Cech, uh, two questions. Where were you when these two things happened? Where were you when Petr Cech was knocked out in the Reading match? Do you remember that moment? Yeah. Oh, that game is like one of my most well remembered. Like we were sat in our season tickets. Oh, Petr wow. Cech knocked out in like the first play of the game. Carlos Cudicini gets knocked out in like the 89th minute by Ibrahima Sonko, who was like this huge dude. And then John Terry ended up in goal. I think it was like five minutes John Terry was in goal and we still could, it was one nil and we still couldn't score against John Terry. And I just remember him in this gray jersey. Like he looked so weird because he had to run off and get like a new shirt and everything. Like I, that is one of my, I can literally like picture myself looking at my dad and be like, 
they don't have another goalie to put in. Like it was just like this moment where we all realized that they'd both been knocked out. Like it was <laughs> insane. And then Jose Mourinho claimed that the Reading staff tried to kill Petr Cech. Like they li- he literally in his first game interview, if that you go back right. and watch, Pe- he claimed that <laughs> they took that. too long to get an ambulance for Petr Cech and that it was done completely on, like they were trying to sabotage Petr Cech. Well, we like 100% know- he said that in an interview. <laughs> We know how good Mourinho is at reading the medical staff situation. He's he's shown responsibility in the past. Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> the other one is where were you during the most chaotic match of all time? The the Reading Arsenal five seven. What was that League Cup match? Went four nil up. I literally remember putting on Facebook the tweet, and I think I remember like exactly. I think I put Arsenal, but with like LOL on the end, <laughs> like Arsenal. I've definitely put that on Facebook <laughs> at some point in my yeah. life. Yeah. Like the classic Arsenal, ha 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 ha, because I think we were 4-0 up in like 35 minutes and then shit hit the fan. And <laughs> You my... deleted that post, didn't you? No, I, I, I didn't. But I'm I'm talking like, you got to remember, I went to school like in a London suburb. So people were Arsenal fans, 100%. And my timeline on Facebook, I think it was before liking and like disliking existed and stuff. But <laughs> I just remember not understanding. Like, how can you go four nil up? But that's just being a Reading fan. But yeah, we were we were there too. And like I said, I can remember making that post at halftime, and then <laughs> everything went downhill from there. Arsenal's been a tough one to play against in in the cup. You'll remember the is it the sem- I think it was a semi final where our goalkeeper Adam Federici let it through like his legs in in the last minute before it went to stoppage time. That was a hard one. I watched that at Brewhouse Cafe. And I think I cried. And I'm like talking grown adult Jess crying. Like it was bad. <laughs> well, moving on to happier things. Who's your least favorite team in the top two divisions of English football? I go with, I hate Leeds. Just again, I think it's something I've been brought up with, like dirty Leeds um, was something we said. And then Swansea hurts me because it brings back memories of the playoff final before I moved to America. That was a while ago, actually, Swansea. It was Huddersfield. You know, we, we, we're like the most losingest. That's right, that was Huddersfield. playoff down. finals. Like, that's an actual stat. Like, we've got to more playoff finals and lost them than any other team. Wow. So Swansea and Huddersfield are really tough ones for me because it's like the memories of Swansea, I think, beat us 4-2. Huddersfield was a penalty away, one penalty. And so those two teams are tough. But Leeds is, like, ingrained in me to hate Leeds, so... Yeah, these are these are two answers that I do not like. Okay, if you had a chance to play goalie now for mm-hmm. Reading or a top flight Premier League team, which would you take? I've already I played for Reading for for a year and got to play in the Medeski Stadium before I moved here. So I've been there, not been there, done that. Like I would love to play mm. for Reading again, but I would go where, let's be honest, I would go where the money, where the money was best. And it's not gonna be best in Reading. So why okay, not let me... my wings a little bit? No, they're in the women's super they're league. In the, the super league, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, then my question. Come on, this is why Jess and I will be doing a pod about <laughs> which teams are connected. Yes. They mm-hmm. even get to play at the same stadium as the men. <laughs> it's it's the, fascinating. The, the mad stad is what they call it. <laughs> Fantastic. When is the acceptable time for a goalkeeper to punch a ball? Because I have seen some punching where I was just like, this makes no damn sense. You should have caught that. I need to know. I need to know where this, when this should happen. Okay. So we're taught if you're not a hundred percent sure you can hold it, you should punch it because it's better to punch it than to half hold it and drop it. So it's about making your decision 
when you've judged the flight of the ball. So I think a lot of the time when you see these punches where they look weird, it's because they've completely misjudged the flight of the ball. They thought it was going to be a more difficult catch. But then because you're already in that mind of punching, it's better to go through with the punch than to catch it. But punching is a weird, like that's a hard technique because yeah. you have to decide if you're going to go with one hand, two hands, are <laughs> you going to go through the player? No, but the two-handed punch is actually more effective technically. And then you got like a big center back who isn't listening to you calling <laughs> keepers and then gets in the way and you knock out your center back and stuff like that. So I, I don't like punching, but it's something that you have to have it in your skills base. And then I'm only a five foot five goalkeeper anyway. So, you know, I got I to gotta try and get every inch I can out there somewhere. So it's a tough one, but that would be, I would say most of the time punching when you think they're doing it wrong, it's because they've made the decision ahead of the time and then it's it's actually better that they're not backtracking because that's when you get the slap down catches that are then ready for the tap in. uh penalty kicks are you deciding where you want to dive before when you're a little kid you can react because people can't kick the ball hard enough but once you get moved into a eight yard wide goal by eight mm-hmm. feet goal if you don't guess there's no way you have an opportunity so it sucks because you look stupid as hell when you're like half stumble because you've gone the wrong way and you can already see it but you have to make your mind up because otherwise you're not going to get enough on it anyway to save it and there's no such thing as a comfortable penalty save for a goalkeeper that is like the most annoying thing i've ever heard if you make a save in a goal that big from 12 yards it's a good save so that's like my pet hate with commentary when they're like oh but it was a bad penalty okay but it's a it's a penalty shut up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you mentioned your husband earlier and you're, I see you're wearing a Columbia jersey and there's a cute picture of you guys on the ATP website holding up a little uh, half and half England Columbia baby onesie. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but I want to know how upset you will both be when your child chooses to play for the United States. Hey, I've said since we know it's a girl, I'm a, if the U.S. women's national team is still the best team in the world, I will accept it. Now, if it was a man, a boy, a man, if I gave birth to a man, no. <laughs> That's like the if it was a boy, I would be like, oh, that would hurt my heart. But I, I've already said, like, as long as she's good enough, she can play for whoever she wants. Now, if she doesn't like football, we're going to have a problem. Like, <laughs> we've already, like, had discussions. Like, imagine if she's, like, artistic or, like, musical. <laughs> or I have to go watch, like, volleyball or something. It would be, like, the worst. Do you want her to play goalie, potentially? Do you want to be a goalie mom? I don't know. I don't, I think I would, my biggest fear would I'd be like the joystick mom that would be like, (laughs) my dad literally never played a day of goal in his life. (laughs) And we would drive home from soccer games and he would give me like a match report. I'm not even kidding. Like he would be like, you did good here, but you know, you could have come out and closed down your angles for that goal you let in. That's big dad energy. What are you talking about? Imagine if you actually know what you're talking about, how hard that would be to separate. So, oh my God. I mean, it might be more fun to have like a striker for a kid. Then you get to like celebrate the goals. So, you know what? As long as she's good, that's all I care about. (laughs) Like that sounds so bad, but I I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the mom of the kid that sucks. Like I hate. (laughs) because <laughs> i've been the coach that has to like play those kids and i don't want to be watching like damn they have to put her in <laughs> like, like imagine <laughs> being that parent maybe i'm not i don't know if i'm ready to be a mom with comments like 
Well, that's why you need to give birth to a man. That way they're they're ready to, to handle the disappointment. We can take old criticism. <laughs> we'll scrub this from the internet before oh. you can hear it. But no, so yeah, I'm okay with her playing for whoever. I just hope she gets there because, I mean, I just think you'll understand this too. Like soccer for girls and the opportunity she has now is fact like there's women's teams good girls teams from like certain age now so i think that's exciting it's a better time for to be a girl playing soccer now yeah for that's sure exciting to shift things back to to penalties we, we <laughs> talked we talked about you know making the saves or whatever do you think the stutter step penalty should be regulated or removed from the game okay so i thought there were rules back like i i just don't think the rules are, are used because i thought if you completely stop your motion of your run-up, then it, it's not allowed. So for me, I That's think... That's true. But it's not enforced. Don't you think 99% yeah, of the time when they stutter, they are stopping it? Or they're just, like, moving just they're, enough. Yeah, just enough. Just enough so that yeah, I see... Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that if you're going to tell a goalkeeper if their foot isn't touching the line that we're going to look at it, you got to start looking at the stutter step. Because... I like that. It's already hard enough for a goalkeeper to make a save and you're already taking something away from them, which was the sneaking off the line. So if you're going to let them stop and trick you and then you're on the ground, it's not a classy way to take a penalty, in my opinion. I think it's it's Agreed. effective but disrespectful. And I enjoy when people do the stutter step, the goalkeeper stands and they, they manage. It's almost up there with, is anyone, the Joseph Martinez jumping penalty oh, it's kick? So, it's, it's so ugly. So bad. It's so ugly. That's, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I don't like it. They just look so swaggless. And so it's I like... celebrate when those sort of penalties oh, yeah. go wrong. Like, oh, yeah. Fall down line. Or like when people try and panaka. No. If you're, if you're going to try and... Oh, I like the panaka. Oh, those are nice. Those are nice. You, you couldn't put yourself in a goalie's shoes. Like if you've dove and then you've seen it, like it, oh. it's a horrendous moment. Yeah. The Panenka, the Panenka though, I, I mean, I agree with the stutter step thing for sure. The Panenka though, that does take real skill, like real weight of the ball, oh, like nice. and and your your chances of hitting the bar. I mean, we even saw the yeah, Mopai okay. Mopai almost hit the bar in his. It's definitely disrespectful. I won't lie about that, but but it does it does require an expert level of skill. I think it, I think why Paneka is okay is because the risk versus reward mm-hmm. is pretty like equal. You know, you're you're taking a pretty big risk when you take one. Yeah. yeah. And if you've got a name for yourself of doing it, goalkeepers do research. You saw recently in the penalty shootouts you watch the goalkeepers get shown before a pk shootout they're they're watching videos so saved panenkas are one of the best thing in the sport (laughs) yeah oh i like on fifa when you just stand there and catch it it's like my favorite thing in the world just watch it like the goalie just catches it and you're like oh the the teammates are looking at the kicker like oh my god why why did you do that there's probably only room for like one panenka in your career you know you gotta just like all right i've taken 45 final yeah i've taken 42 pks i've gone left you know 30 times now's my chance you can't you can't do it more than once and at that time that takes some genius from a goalkeeper to just stand there and that's the other it's gutsy for a goalkeeper to stand there because there's nothing worse than watching a penalty shootout where the goalie doesn't guess a side like at least they're trying so for you to have to stand up that takes balls too so Okay, I'll, I'll accept Panekas, but stutter step must be removed. <laughs> you know, if you're a field player and you mess up, okay, fine, no big deal. You can always you can always get it back together. You just like go have a spectacular moment. But as a goalie and you mess up and you may only have three or four chances a game, like it's what? Do you, you I would tell you this: you when I had time? my American scout, like because I went through a, when they came to look at me play, I was playing against Tottenham. I got a back pass, I fluffed it, and it went under my foot and went in the goal. 
Like I sweat, it's like, this is real life. To have to recover from that mentally, knowing that people are watching, it's the hardest thing in the world. They talk about goalkeepers having to have like a goldfish memory and it's kind of true, but it's impossible. Like to have that mental strength. You can tell yourself a hundred times, oh, it had to go through all 11 players before it got to me, stuff like that. But none of it helps. And it's one of those things as a goalkeeper where you know If you make a mistake, you don't really have a chance to make up for it because there's nothing you can do that truly, bar maybe saving a penalty, there's nothing you can truly do that people will turn around and be like, okay, you let in a goal, but you just stopped a goal. People don't view saves in that same way. It's not like a striker that can miss an opportunity and then score a goal and it's kind of forgotten. So it's a really hard thing as a goalkeeper to do. And I will say, I and I don't think I'm the only one, like there are times that after a game that you will think about making a mistake forever. And you can imagine that's me talking on a college level where, yeah, I could watch back my games because they were streamed or whatever, but imagine it being like on a professional level and you can watch it. It's all over Twitter. It's all over. You're getting tagged in a video of yourself messing up constantly. (laughs) I, I think that mentally... Careers get destroyed. Like I would, I would be surprised. I don't know where Kepa is going, but he's gonna have a wow. hard time. No, he'll be fine. I mean, I don't Loris Carius. He's twenty-four. He's twenty-four. He's talented. He's gonna be I fine. Don't, I don't know though. I think, he, but he'll always be known for the like that. This failed part of his career, and the fact that he was the most expensive goalkeeper in history, and he came and he fluffed. That's gonna be. That's on your track record forever. That's something that yeah. mentally you will have on your mind like forever. Yeah. Partially. Some go people the fall upwards. Like I don't I never thought Coach Wall was that good. He just happened to be on a good team and then happened to be bought at the right time. And now we're gonna say Coach Wall is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. So Kepa could find himself in a situation where he's on a team that just does fantastic things and becomes one of the world's greatest keepers of all time. Yeah, Atlanta United. <laughs> With his price point, he should already be considered one of the best goalkeepers in the yeah. world. And we see where that went for him. So and I think mentally as a goalkeeper, you have to you have to be made of tough things. I think that people underestimate like how mentally exhausting it is to be a goalkeeper. You talk about like physical recovery and players being drained, you know, when there's schedule compression and stuff, you gotta think about the mental side of things. And for a goalkeeper, talking constantly in a game, I would find myself mentally exhausted, even if I'd made like two saves in a game. Like it could be like a seven nil win for our team, Mm. but you're still mentally exhausted. And that's something that's underestimated sometimes. What is the worst butchering your last name has ever gotten in terms of pronunciation? (laughs) Okay, so it's just a consistent butchering. My commentary partner for the longest, Jason Longshaw, he does Atlanta United, called me Jessica Sharman. Up until the day I did my first ESPN Plus game, I mean, I let him call me Jessica Sharman out of respect for like him for a year and a half until I had my TV debut. I turned to him and said, look, I got to tell you this now, it's Charman. <laughs> so that consistency of not correcting someone for a year and a half, he was so mad at me. <laughs> so that would be a good one. And then I think I've been called like Charmaine and over like the loudspeaker, you got to imagine like college intro, Jessica Charmaine, like, and I had like Slovakian and Swedish players that got their names pronounced correctly. It, it's amazing <laughs> what what people will think is an obvious pronunciation and they'll get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I got to, I got to ask the one question we've asked every guest this season is chili a soup. <laughs> no. Before you answer, it, before you answer, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, just before you answer. <laughs> Or you answer. She just answered. On the menu. Where is it on the menu? Yeah, on the menu it goes under soup. But the consistency of yeah, that's chili not the question. is too yeah. lumpy to be a soup. It's, it's just I, too lumpy. Yeah, I would 100% agree. I mean, it's 
you can't slurp a chili, you know, like you can't. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling sick, if you're feeling sick, do you make soup? Yes. Do you make chili? No, because chili takes a lot. <laughs> I to, love chili. It oh. takes a lot to digest. That's one of the best arguments I've heard. It's tomato That's soup because you can, you know, mm. slurp there's, it. There's no flaw Sorry. there. Strong logic. Well, Jess, thank you for, for coming on. Thank you for joining the team. We're excited to hear from you this season. Plenty more to hear from you. We finally have a goalkeeping expert on the show. Any final thoughts, Jess? Just excited to be here and hoping that, like I say, Reading can join us because then I can even up hmm. representation of fan bases. But for now, uh, a neutral just looking for goalkeeping miracles to happen on the pitch. Reading versus Watford Saturday. Who do you want to win? Oh, Reading, without a doubt. I only like Watford when they're in the Premier League. That was, <laughs> if they're in a different league, Watford. But no, right now, Reading all the way. 100%. We have some conflict of interest because I think some people in the pod will say Watford all the way. So. Oh, for sure. Let's see, let's see come Saturday, guys. I'll fight till the death on that one. Again, if you want to follow Jess Charman, it's uh, Jess Talks Footy, F-O-O-T-I-E on Twitter. All right, you can find us on acrossthepond.co, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more at Across the Pond on Twitter. Talk to you soon.